Good morning. I had this dream the other night. I woke up and I had cold sweats. You ever done that? <clears throat> I dreamed Meredith was leaning over cutting my beard off in the middle of the night. <laughs> I got this tick now when I walk by her. We got to laughing about that last night. I apologize for my looks. It's just one of those things, you know. Sometimes we get old, you know, we start thinking about old things, and so I'm feeling a little old. You know, I was on the phone the other day with somebody in a conversation, and uh, they were struggling. I was on Facebook the other day, and somebody was struggling. I was with somebody at the store the other day, and they were struggling. In this world, we will have difficulty. We'll have struggles. But Christ has come. You know, where do you turn when you walk through the difficulties of life? You know, where do, where do you happen to, to place your attention when things aren't going the way that you think that they... Where do you turn when something completely takes your breath away and you feel like you're left gasping for air? You ever been there? I spent some time praying this week and uh, for Joel Hunter and his family in the, the death of their son Isaac who was a pastor in Orlando and has just went through tremendous amounts of stress and struggle and I thought as I, as I thought back because of some of the struggles and let me say this guys pastors go through things listen we're flesh and blood just like you I put my pants on just like you do every day I had the opportunity to walk through difficulty just like you to experience stress to experience pain, to experience suffering, just like you do. Yet so many times we put God's people up on pedestals and think that everything's okay. And I thought about Isaac, and I thought about in the midst of what he knew to be true, he was told by others that it wasn't true. May we be a person, a people of peace and hope not because of the circumstances, but because of Christ. But where do you turn in those moments when everything that we say that we believe is put on center stage? See, because when things are going okay, we have the ability to go, man, God is alive and everything's well. But all of a sudden, when we walk through difficulty, we have a, a way of backing things up and saying, oh my, where do I turn? We've been walking through this series on hope, that hope came down specifically because it's the time of the Christmas season that if anything that we should focus on, it shouldn't be Santa Claus and it shouldn't be presents and it shouldn't be all those other things, but it should be the hope of Christmas. That Emmanuel, that God came to walk and live among us, that he would bring us hope. And what we've said about hope is that it's not just, it's not wishful thinking. You know, I've had a, we've got a lot of family members this time of year that has birthdays and they'll make a wish and blow out the candles and it's not wishful thinking and it's not blind optimism, you know, being ignorant of the reality of the truth. But what hope is, is a confident expectation based on something that is solid, something that is real, something that is foundational, something that will not move. And the Bible says that hope is an anchor for our soul. That's what it is. That in the midst of the storms, that we don't have to be carried away by the waves or by the seas or by the currents, but we have a hope for our soul that anchors us deep 
deep, deep. Last week we talked about some practical applications. If you want to grow up your, your hope, well, here are some things that you can do. And we talked about seeking God's presence. They're not just on Sunday mornings. Man, I'm going to sing a couple of songs and I'm going to listen to the guy stand up there and read a couple of verses. But I'm going to seek God's presence. That I'm going to listen for God's promises. That in his word he's given us these these promises that I can hold on to. We talked about the nuggets of truth that God's Word has, that in those times of difficulty, not just in the times of difficulty, but in all times, there's things in God's Word that we can pull out that are nuggets that we can hold on to. They're promises, God's promises. We're accepting God's process. We don't like to, under, we don't like to, to agree with this, but listen, the Bible says that in all things God's at work and that He works in the midst of difficulty as well as in great things. Living out God's purpose. If, if all you're living for is just another paycheck, man, there's more to this life than this life. And it's about how do I not just, how do I not just know God, but how do I make him known to others that are around me? I'm in the car and, you know, my kids are great because they're always telling me this morning, Anna was saying, telling me about, you know, Daddy, I want to let you know that this person's going to be coming to church next week. I said, well, well what? Well, tell me, tell me, tell me the story. Well, we were just talking about church and I had invited them to come and, and join us. Man, making God, that we're a bigger purpose than just showing up on Sunday morning. God's place. Planning for God's place. And this is what I'm learning as I'm getting older. I'm starting to figure this thing out. See, we don't think about God's place a lot of times, Phil, when we're early. Early on, we're doing everything we can just to survive. But the older we get, Sandy Jones... You start thinking about God's place. That the older we get, Beulah Lamb gets closer and closer. And see, we think, we have a tendency to think that it's far, far away. But I promise you, it's closer than what we think. That's our ultimate hope. That's the blessed hope that we as believers that we have. It's not that everything here on this earth is going to go as planned. It's not that everything's going to work out. It's not that the marriage is going, to, is going to be great. Let me tell you what, if you're married, there's going to be issues that you're going to struggle with. That your finances, there may be times that finances don't go the way, or your job may not go the way, or your children may, may walk away from the Lord. And there may be a, an unexpected circumstance that seems to, as we talked about, take your breath away. But it's not those things that are temporary that, that we long for. But there's a blessed hope. And the Scripture says, the scripture says while we look forward with, with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. That Jesus was born so that we might have eternal life. And as we trust Him, we not only receive the benefits of living with Him day by day by day, but there's an ultimate hope, and that ultimate hope is heaven. Do you think an awful lot about that? Probably not. I mean, if I were to ask you guys, if you're ready to go to heaven, you'd probably say, well, you just give me a little bit more time. I'm enjoying things here. That's the truth. But the reality is that there should be a longing inside of us. Man, as believers in Christ, there should be something within us that sort of, it resonates with heaven because that's the ultimate hope that we have. 
Something to look forward to a few trips ago, um, when I was on my way back from Nicaragua, they had switched us all around. That was the time I think that West got put in first class and we all got mad. <laughs> but we ended up and they switched us all around and they changed us for whatever reason. And we all got split up. And I don't know about you guys, but man, when I'm going to ride on a plane in close quarters with somebody that I'm going to have to be elbow to elbow and we're going to be breathing on each other and you're going to have to smell their perfume and other body odors. I like to know somebody that's sitting next to me is somebody that I know. You know what I'm saying? How many of you ever got on a plane and you're like going, oh, I hope they don't sit by me. You ever done that? <laughs> Man, both of us can't sit in the same row. It ain't going to work. Do that all the time. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in this new seat. I'm not sitting any close to anybody I know. And I'm thinking, okay, dear Jesus, what you got going on here, you know? And here are people coming in and off. And I, I end up sitting close to this guy and this girl. And, uh, Man, I, if you don't talk within the first couple of minutes, it's over with because you ain't talking the rest of the time. Are you with me? That's just like a neighbor moves in from outside. If, I mean, if you don't talk to him within the first couple of weeks, you're not going to ever talk to him. You'll never even know their name. See, y'all are laughing, but it's true. So when somebody comes in, man, you better be over at the house taking them some bread saying, hey, I just want to let you know so you can open up the door of conversation. So they sat down, you know, and one was here, one was a guy, and one was a girl. They were in the young 20s, I guess, and we started some small talk, and I said, hey, I said, man, where are you guys? This was in Miami, by the way. We've got probably a 45-minute flight. And I started thinking, Lord, you must be up to something. And we started a, a conversation, and I said, man, where are you guys coming from? And he said, well, coming from Brazil. I said, you are? I said, well... I said, huh, and he, he looks at me and says, well, what, what, do you, what do you do for a living? And I don't really like telling people, I don't really like telling people I'm a pastor, because once you tell somebody you're Pastor Gus, it totally changes the conversation. <laughs> I mean, everybody gets, well, these and vows and God and, you know, there's always something that comes out of it. So I don't really like to tell people what I do. I just, and so I said, well, you know, I work with people. And he says, oh, well, what do you do when you work with people? And finally I said, I'm a pastor. Well, the guy starts bawling. He starts bawling, and I said, oh, Lord, I done done it now. You know, what am, what am I going to do? And so in the midst of the conversation, I said, man, what's going on? What's, what's taking place? And he went on to tell me that they were coming from Brazil um, where his father had died. They were in the young 20s. They were headed back to Jacksonville. But that wasn't the story. See, the story was it was about a year earlier that his mom had died. And his dad had gone and sold everything and went to Brazil to start new, to buy property. They were going to build a farm. And then in the midst of all of that, about a year after his mom died, there, he's down in Brazil making all these plans happen, and he dies of a heart attack. So brother and sister had to go down and take care of things. And he, and he looked at me, and he says, I just don't know what to do next. I mean, this is a literal conversation. In the midst of that, I'm sitting on the plane. God switched around my stuff, and he says, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Hopeless. 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 Life throws those curveballs at us. It does. Things don't always go as planned. The details don't always work out. 
But regardless of the circumstances, this is what I hold on to and where my faith is anchored is that there's more to this life than this life. This is what Paul said in, in 1 Thessalonians. He said, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like some people who have no hope. <laughs> and then I'm going to paraphrase the next couple of verses. He said, listen, guys, let me tell you what. Jesus is coming back. Get your stuff in order. He's coming back. And he's going to take those of us that are his to be with him forever. And he said, encourage one another with these words. And how many times do we spend, how much time do we spend encouraging one another with these words? How much time do we spend, do we invest in people around us that are struggling and saying, listen, man, there is no hope. And how many times do you counter that with saying, yes, there is hope. But it's not in the circumstances. But it's only in Christ. It's only in Christ. But because those who experience death without Christ, there is no, no hope. All they have is earth. That's it. Gives meaning to the sort of the statement, get it while the getting's good. Because that's it. It goes downhill from there. But for the person who dies without Christ, it's hurt at a whole nother level and there on that plane i i spent time talking to them about christ talking to them about the hope of the gospel this is what second timothy says and the lord will deliver me from every evil attack and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom and i want to tell you guys earth has its moments there are those times man listen when you've got a brand new baby like rosalie and chad and there are just, just those moments that you just can't explain that are so exciting and so awesome. But that's it. That's it for the non-believer. That's it. But our hope as Christ followers, it doesn't consist of just what happens here. Sometimes we're going to get angry. We're going to say, we're going to question God. Why are, we, why are we walking through these times? And you're going to ask the question, why? Instead of maybe we should be asking God, what is it you want us to see? But this is what I know, that our ultimate hope isn't in perfect peace here on this earth, but it's a blessed hope that one day we have the opportunity to spend eternity in heaven with our Heavenly Father. That hope came down. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's what we hold on to, that hope there is hope amidst the hopelessness that a Savior was born, Christ the Lord. How much time do you spend thinking about heaven? See, we may have a tendency to sometimes want to hold on to the thing that society or culture tells us about heaven. You know, there's you know, all these people in white robes singing all this choir music and, and wings and stuff and people playing around, running around in harps and this is great big church service, but that's not really necessarily what the Bible has to say. So what I want to do is I want to give you some quick things about heaven today as we focus, because it is the ultimate hope that we have, that hope came down as a result of that. Those of us that are believers have this ultimate hope that we're longing for, that we're longing for. You know what heaven is? It's a real place. Scripture talks about a real place, that heaven is a real place. This guy named Stephen Hawking, who's this great, supposedly this great scientist, says, heaven is a fairy tale story for people who are afraid of the dark. 
And he went on to say that he regards the brain as a computer that will one day stop working when all of its components fail, and there is no heaven for broken down computers. Man, he's missing it. He's missing it. I mean, here's Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 around that area that talks about, man, I've been there. I've experienced it. Years ago, I was there. I experienced what it was like. I experienced heaven. Here's John talking about his journey and his vision of what heaven was really like. And this is what he records as he talked about the fact that heaven was a, a real place, that it was a physical location. And he talks about the walls and dimensions in Revelation chapter 21. And he records this. When he measured it, he said, listen, here's the Lord sending an angel along with him in the midst of this dream, this vision that he has. And the Bible says, if you go back and read it, that his measuring stick was of gold. And as he sat down, as he measured the dimensions, the scripture says he found it was a square as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. And then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick, thick according to the human standards used by the angel. And go on some other time because he talks about the foundations being made of precious stones. And I love it. At the end, he said, and these things are trustworthy and true. Man, heaven is a real place. When Jesus, when the disciples were discouraged, what did he say? He said, I'm going to prepare a what? A place. It's my father's house. A place for his children. That one day, that that's where we will assemble. Man, heaven is a right place is what the scripture has to say. In Revelation chapter 21, he talks about no more tears and no more death and no more crying and no more pain and no more struggles. That it is a perfect place. The old is come and the new, the old is gone and the new is come. Again, these words are trustworthy and true. That it's a relational place. Man, how many of you have lost loved ones in the past year? Anybody? Lost friends or loved ones in the past year? This time of year, it's those times that we, we begin to, to think about the loved ones that have gone on before us. I see it on Facebook with people that have lost loved ones that are, that are longing this time of year to see them again. And the Bible talks about the fact that there's going to be a reunion one day. That the dead in Christ will rise and we'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And that there will be an assembly that will take place as, as Jesus comes back. 1 Thessalonians 4, he says that together with them, those who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. It's a rewarding place. How many of you guys like rewards? My kids, you know, like rewards. I can get them to do all kinds of things by offering them an extra dollar or taking a dollar away. Man, heaven is a rewarding place. I think about the passage of Scripture in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, that says, no eye has seen or ear have heard or mind conceived the great things that God has in store for those who love him and they are called according to his purpose. <laughs> and there's going to be a great reward that the scriptures talk about. Jesus talks about our reward in heaven. The, the Greek word for reward is methos. And this is the sort of the definition, and I'll break it down for you in simple terms. The definition is in the appropriate consequence or consummation of a course of action. In other words, it's what you get. That's what it is, what you get. The reward's what you get. What you get for how you live. What you get. Sometimes the scripture uses the word wages. 
There's several passages of Scripture that deal with the issue of wages. Calling the workers in and paying them is what it says in Matthew 28. John 4, 436 says, it talks about the harvesters are paid a good wage. They're rewarded. And the fruit that they harvest is people brought to eternal life. You know, there's the negative side of rewards. You know? Payback, baby. Here's Judas who, who sold Jesus for 30, 30 pieces of silver. And then all of a sudden would realize what had taken place. He took and he threw the silver back. And they would take that 30 pieces of silver to buy a plot of land that they would bury foreigners. Judas himself would eventually commit suicide. There's the positive side, the rewards. And can you, can you imagine one day what it'll be like to see your father face to face in the twinkling of an eye to stand before him? We will see him as he is. That's what the scripture says. 1 John 3, 2, dear friends, we're already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears, but we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. We shall enter into the joy of our master. Matthew 5, 12, be happy about it, be very glad, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. I'll give you an extra one. A place of rest. How many of you Feel like you function on fumes so often. Liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> Probably sometime this week you've mentioned to somebody, ah, I, ain't, I don't want to go to that party, or I ain't got time to go to that extra performance, or you know, they got another church service, or they got this going on, or that. Man, a place of rest. Rest. The writer in Hebrews talks about heaven being a place of rest. You know why so many times those of us that call ourselves believers don't experience rest here on this earth? It's because we spend so much time trying to earn our salvation. Uh-oh. Woo-hoo. Did you hear what I said? Sometimes we don't experience rest because we're spending so much time being busy trying to earn something that was given to us as a gift to receive it but then the scripture talks about an eternal rest peace it's like taking that rest So heaven is a real place it's a right place it's a relational place it's a rewarding place and it's heaven is a place of of rest i'm gonna tell you what things are not always going to work out in this world like it has for dr john sycamore who last week shared with us that you know for the first time in 17 years they they declared him cancer free from leukemia it's not always going to work out like it did with Mark Panagoni last, Mar- uh, last December 19th when here he died on the basketball court up at the Villages and was revived. It's not always going to work out that way. It's not always going to work out where those who may not think that they have children have the ability in the specialness of God's blessing to be blessed with a child. Life just doesn't work out with that way. 
But our hope isn't what in takes place here, but our ultimate hope is what takes place as we focus on our blessed hope in Christ and in heaven. That as a believer that I have to live for something larger than today, larger from that which is temporary. And how do I know that my reservation in heaven and my hope isn't based on my church attendance, my work abilities, my character, my, my, um, my, uh, the smile that I have, that I can attract people. But how do I know that my name is written down in the Lamb's book of life for sure? How do I know that? How do I know that it's not based off of a denomination that I may be a part of? How do I know that it's not been because I've been baptized or because of the good things that I've done? But our ticket to heaven is nothing more than placing our faith in Christ Jesus, who was born, who came down, that it would eventually be crucified for my sins to pay a penalty that I couldn't pay. See, this is what Paul said in, in Romans. Romans chapter 1, verse 17. The good news, the gospel, tells us that God makes us ready for heaven. He makes us right in God's sight. He makes it right in God's sight. Right in God's sight. When we put our faith and our trust in Christ to save us, this is accomplished from start to finish by faith and by faith alone. And the scripture says that the man who finds his life will find it through trusting God. It's the Living Bible's translation. See, trusting God means that I'm going I'm to step out. I'm going to step out of the position of leadership. I'm going to step out of the position of being the driver in my car. And I'm going to hand over the, the wheel to God. Lord, it's not my agenda, but it's yours. It's not my plan, but it's your plan. It's not my stuff anymore. That my trust and my hope won't be in you, but me and myself, but it'll be in you. See, see, I've, I've, I've been there. And I'm still in the process of turning those things over to the Lord. Moment by moment, by day. And the person that tells you they got it all together, they're lying to you. It's the working out of our faith. The working out of our faith in Christ. There's probably a lot of stories. I had the opportunity to sit down with, with Sue and Paul this past week and hear their story. Life's been pretty tough. It's been a lot of pain. It's been a lot of suffering. But the neat thing was to be able to see the smile and the joy on your face as you talked about your hope in Christ. And you kept talking about God's grace, that even though you didn't deserve it, that God's grace, what he had done for you, and that's what you learn. That as we get older, begin to appreciate God's grace more and more and more and I'm reminded of the song Bob used to sing it all the time sometimes people want to sing it at the funeral but that song Beulah Land 
unbelievable. I'm kind of homesick for a country. I've never been before. <laughs> and he says, no sad goodbyes will there be spoken, for time won't matter anymore. You little land I'm longing for you. And someday on the outstand, there my home shall be eternal. You love land, sweet you. Now, I don't know what you're longing for. <laughs> and I don't know where your hope is. But it ain't going to work out here. And as God's children, we got to be reminded heaven's the ultimate hope. Because hope came down.